Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Unverified Accounts. I'm Chris. And I'm Eliza. And I'm Philip. Hey listeners, just a heads up. So the way we recorded this episode, later on we'll talk about the movie Peninsula, also kind of known as Train to Busan 2. But what happened was Philip was a little too busy and didn't get a chance to watch it, so we invited a guest, our friend J-Mark, to talk about it. So later on, when we talk about the movie, you hear a voice and you think, oh, that doesn't really sound like Philip anymore. That's because it's not. It's our friend J-Mark. So just giving you that heads up. So school's about to start and... It's got to be really weird, right? To be, to to be, be clear, a kid right none now. of us are in school. <laughs> Just right, clear, right, right. But... None of us are actually in school, but I mean, it's it's pretty... We all remember what it was like. It wasn't that too long ago. None of us and... are in school, but I'm probably the closest to the experience right now because my kids are going to be starting school uh, right. next so, week. Oh, man. What's that like as a parent? Just getting are kids ready. Freaking out. But also, mm-hmm. you know, they're still going to be home. Uh, the county was issuing um, laptops to every single student, but um, I figured that the kids were just going to need their own anyway. So uh, we, we now have like a bunch of MacBooks at the house. Uh, okay. They um, so this I've looked at the schedule, and for all three of them, including my kindergartner, they're going to be in school from nine o'clock a.m. to four p.m. with an hour lunch break. But I'm pretty sure that that schedule was made uh, simply to just keep your kids busy so parents can get their work done from home. Wait, you said nine to four? That's like a regular school day, right? So the whole day. Yeah, pretty much. Actually, it's longer than a regular school day because before this, my kids were in school from uh, school started at 930 and then it went until 350. So like what runs the online stuff? Like is that from nine to to four? Oh, it's all online for nine to four. Oh, I see. Yeah. Even for your kindergartner, yeah, that's what. Like that's, I think it's insane. But it's I like mean, a that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like, not <laughs> about the kid; it's about keeping the kids busy so the parents can work. Yeah, but that's what school has always been about, right? It's, it's free daycare essentially. Basically, um, it's free daycare. Yes, but well, yeah, because like kindergarten, think... it's like, come on, do you really need more than like an hour or two of instruction every day? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. and, I, and I think it's exposed that even more clearly than ever because a lot, a lot of things like we've always thought about what, uh, you know, what school for. Um, like a lot of stuff and okay here, here's a good embarrassing fact I think the most knowledgeable I've ever been was in high school because I had to learn Same. chemistry I had to Same. learn calculus oh, like and you know as soon as I yeah. went to college I dropped all that shit but you know like especially when you're like in 11th grade and you're really trying to prime up your transcript to get into college you're taking on all this stuff and, and you know you never use it again and that's always been the you know I don't think I've students... used any math past like third grade yeah, well, well, um, all you really need is basic arithmetic. Like, to get when the life. hell have you ever had to find like the inverse r- square root of anything? I'm a computer. I'm a I'm a I'm a programmer, so I do have to use that actually pretty regularly. <laughs> but I, I hear your point. But I actually feel like for me, you know, like most of the knowledge I've gained was like after college, like when I started just reading. You know, just like learning by reading, learning by like practice. Yeah, stuff. yeah. And for yeah. tech, it's like for tech, life. a lot of it is yeah, a lot of it is school life. But even just like learning about politics, history, even math, even like you know science like i learned a lot just fucking fucking youtube right which wasn't really around back in college in the same way so i you know it's a formalized way to like get kids to learn stuff they kind of need and then also daycare that's what school is to prepare them for the schedule that industrial uh, work schedule that's right that's right yeah it's it's to get people used to sitting down for like eight to ten hours that's essentially what it comes down to right yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, because you're gonna have to do that uh throughout the rest of your life so 
I went through kind of a strange experience this summer because, okay, so before Governor Hogan would make up his mind about whether schools were going to open or not, mm-hmm. um, I actually yanked my kids out of their public school earlier in the summer and said I and, and, and registered them as homeschoolers. And then okay. when they decided to just go all virtual until, yeah, so Baltimore County is virtual until February of 2021. So I had to re-enroll the kids, which was a big. It was it was so much easier to unenroll them to re-enroll than to re-enroll them Wait, because so of all the you, admin work. When you pulled them out as homeschool, did you actually homeschool them, or did they just like you know hang out? Did you actually homeschool them for a bit, or did or did they like? Yeah, go? I was homeschooling them all summer. Really? What were you teaching them? Mostly like just I don't know, like just basic math stuff. I mean, they're all so young, so both yeah. like working on like handwriting, working on like just. I don't know, like writing paragraphs, like they just have to write like a paragraph after they watch <laughs> something or read something. Um, getting my two boys um, reading more chapter books and then they could read like graphic novels and then just trying to get my daughter who's in kindergarten, just teaching her the alphabet, giving her piano lessons and then just like teaching her how to write her name. Lies of the teacher. It's pretty legit. I mean, it sounds like they're getting like as much, if not more, out of being homeschooled, right? But the, the reality is that that's not possible for most families, right? No, yeah, you do have to like, see, I don't work. So I have all the, I have, mm-hmm. if I'm not taking care of them, I if I'm not minding the kids, then I have a lot of free time. Yeah, throw, throw five movies on. <laughs> um, I used to throw five movies on. I did, you know what? I did do a lot of um, film education ever since the pandemic started, and the kids, um, hey, the media kids literacy, have been home that's since good, March. Man. That is good, yeah. Teaching to avoid those pitfalls. Uh, did do you guys uh, feel like um, you know a bunch of kids in college are going to be coming in for the first? Oh, those year. poor souls, poor poor souls. <laughs> Paying all this There's money. There's some kids in college that I organize with who have said that like they already know that. They're going to show up on campus for like a week or two, and then the whole thing is going to shut down again. From like from like coronavirus cases. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Once yeah. they get like a few cases that are positive, they got to shut the whole thing down. Otherwise, it's going to spread like wildfire. The only reason the schools were reopening anyway was because of the threat of the cut to funding. So if they reopen, they can get their full funding. Once those checks clear, they're just going to send all the kids home again. It's so irresponsible. It's kind of crazy. Like, I can't imagine any schools that are actually going to stay open right now. Unless you're like, um, you know, some places are kind of untouched. Like, I guess if you're like in the Dakotas or something, you know, (laughs) where there's like 10 people at your whole school. There's going to be at least another year of like virtual schooling. You're paying however however many thousands of dollars per you know, semester. Probably 70,000 at at this point. I don't know how much it is in the States. I don't want to think. Keeps going up. It's crazy. I'm I'm just trying to imagine myself as like a having just graduated high school. You've sacrificed years of fun and all that to get like, you know, good grades, do do the, you know, good activities <laughs> and you're like, finally, I'm going to break out and enjoy, you know, that that special like first I year. I totally did not do that. Of course. Yeah, I know that I'm sure uh, like some people out there don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm probably like, you know, fuck you nerd or whatever. But <laughs> And you're like, all right, I'm ready to blast off. And then it's like, oh, no, you're still going to stay in your uh, parents' home for another week. I am one of those kids that, Um, like, that final quarter of senior year, like, almost failed. (laughs) (laughs) Once you get your acceptance letter, you're like, fuck it. Yeah. (laughs) I am not even taking the exam. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I think we all slacked off a little bit. And that, that was when I really first started drinking. It was <laughs> like starting from Christmas of senior year of high school. Uh, and it was it was a great time because it was like all the social cliques boundaries melted away because everyone just came yeah, together everyone's like saying goodbye to each other getting to know each other everyone again. just starts showing up to everyone's parties everyone has free time everyone's free time nobody cares about school anymore <laughs> and I, I don't know some of the most fun parties i've ever been to were, i were didn't those drink just- or anything in high school but like i was um senior year of high school i got my parents permission to work at the um at the local movie theater so i actually spent a lot of my time there because the movie geek that i am Part of the benefits of working in a movie theater is you get unlimited free movies. Right. I mean, that, that's like some like cinema paradiso shit there. So I would just bring like, I would just bring my friends and we would just like watch movie after movie. And that's, I don't know. And like the movie theater that I worked at was kind of like, I don't know, just like a playground. Like there's an arcade and then like. <laughs> like I, I too, like, you know, like you, Liza, I'm, you know, I'm a huge uh, film fan. Uh, me working at a movie theater would be dangerous because, you know, not only would I just watch movies all day, I'd, I'd just eat too much popcorn and probably get, like, stomach <laughs> you can, cancer. You can always eat all the popcorn. You never feel good after eating popcorn. You always eat too much because you think it's it's not going to fill you up. It does. Because even, it's even so like a, light. Right. And, and you get, like, a big bucket and then you feel pressured <laughs> to finish it all. And you're like, why did I regret everything? The big bucket's I've only done. a 20-cent upgrade from the medium bucket. So, of course, you got to Right. And they upsell you on that. And how can you resist? They're like... You can't. 25 cents you get double the size and like mm-hmm. yeah so all right let's uh, transition to our discussion about peninsula uh sorry to bid you farewell philip uh but now hello j mark enjoy guys okay uh who wants to start off the co- the conversation about asian celebrity crushes I guess, I guess I could start it off. But I, I just wanted to talk about this uh, for two reasons. One is Liza was talking about how much she loved Kang Dong-won, who, who plays the, the main character in, in this movie. Yummy and, spoon. <laughs> and he's actually quite a f- uh, famous uh, Korean actor. I, immediately re- I didn't know he was in this movie, but I, I immediately recognized the name. And then uh, secondly, because if you ever watch a Korean variety shows, uh, especially when like they're like other celebrities they will always like grill them on oh you know who do you like who's your ideal type so i figure in the spirit of that we can we can do that i'll also have to preface this by saying i think most of my tastes have been frozen in time when i lived in korea so you know that uh old, like seinfeld joke about how you know with dads and their fashion it's like a time capsule of when they were like in their 20s and they never change i might yeah. be kind of like that so uh, some of the some of the things i say names i say uh might not be that current but I always have. I'll wait till you hear mine. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure uh, my choices are unassailable. So, uh, someone I've always really liked is an actress named Park Shin uh, I guess in Korea, in English, you would say like Park Shin So, if you want to look her up, it's Park P A R K space Shin, like your body part S H I N, and then uh, last part's H Y E. What movies? Um, she was in that uh, like Memories of Alhambra. That, I think that was a K drama that came out on Netflix. Uh-huh. I think uh, Hyunbin was in that too. It's it's some weird thing about like video games and in like virtual reality. I didn't actually watch it, and that's my kind of guilty uh, revelation about her. <laughs> I don't actually like any of the stuff she's. In. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just think she's a really good actress. I think she's very beautiful and everything. But I've I've seen quite a few dramas she's in, and there I just haven't enjoyed any of them. Um, but I I, I mean we're we're not talking about like our favorite actresses in terms of their roles and stuff we're just talking about who were like really attracted all tied to, up so. together mm-hmm. so so that's that's my choice 
I don't know if you guys have looked her up, but uh, I'd be curious what you think. But uh, who wants to go next? I'll go. Okay. I'm so glad you asked. Hiroyuki <laughs> Sonata. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've... He was in Sunshine. I think that's that's the first time you saw him. I think I think it's probably the last Samurai the, that I because he was in that. Yeah, that's right? the last. That's the first time I saw him too. Was Last Samurai. And my runner up is Toshiro Mufune. Oh from, yeah, classic. Uh, you know all the classic. like Seven Samurai and all the other Akira Kurosawa movies. Yeah. Yeah. So when you said that your um, your crushes aren't that current, I was like, wait till you hear mine. Yeah. I, what I meant one was like, well, maybe like a few years. Yeah. <laughs> the other one is like seventy. Yeah. The thing about Toshiro Mifune is that most people know him as like like a, like a samurai, but if you see him like in his early roles, he, he's like a total babe. He's just he's incredibly. No, the samurai handsome. is the babe for me. Well, okay, but like before that, he's like playing like a modern person. Pretty much every every Japanese actor that plays a samurai, like I will end up crushing on them. <laughs> they have to have. I, I don't have like a checklist for for um, Asian celebrity crushes, but they definitely all have something in common, which is they have a really thick accent, or better yet, they just don't speak English. N- no American accent, no British accent, no Australian accent. It kills it for me. They have to have long hair, uh, or they have to have like a horse tail, like in all those Chinese period piece movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, although I would, I would say that like recently I liked Klaus and the teacher in Soul Searching, mm-hmm. and they they both had accents, but not American and not British. Right, right. All right, J, uh, J Mark. Yeah, let's see what our guest has yes. to say. Hello, yes, rising, coming into your coffee chat here. Hello. <laughs> I, I am going to choose the most iconic of Asian actresses, Scarlett Johansson. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> She's such an icon. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Gong Li or Michelle Yeoh. No, really proving that Asians can do anything. Scarlett Johansson, the whitest of us Asians. Um, <laughs> no, so I got, I got quite a few. Uh, if we're talking about on the guy's end, of uh I'll, I'll say two asian men that i i i would say i find quite attractive and would love to just be uh steven mm-hmm. yuen and uh my my big brother but he doesn't know it dante bosco hands down um, dante yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. one of my friends got me a signed print of him as rufio and asked <laughs> uh and they asked him a question at a con and they were like, this is so my friend J Mark, uh, he's really into spoken word poetry and acting and dancing. And Dante Bosco was like, oh, so he's me. And on the print, it says, I heard you're me 2.0. And that is my greatest treasure I've ever had. And I'm like, you yes. You have it framed, don't you? Blessed me. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I'm like, bless me, Rufio. Make it, make it thing. <laughs> bless me, Prince Zuko. Give me the honor. Um, and then on the women's side, speaking of being lost in time, I will forever have a crush on Utada Hikaru. I mean, I grew up in Japan mm, and her music. Okay. Her music just makes me so happy and joyous. Um, and then for someone a little more, I guess you'd consider contemporary, uh, Jamila Jamil. Um, okay. Love her to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, she She's extremely progressive and outspoken about social justice issues. And then the last one is um, Ali Wong, because she's fucking hilarious. Can I cuss on this? Yes. I, I should have asked first. <laughs> I don't know why people ask like well, ask that question. Like, who, who do you think we are? Like like the Christian News Network? Like, we are not. No, but, it, like, but it depends on who your audience is. That's why I ask. Because like on my podcast, uh, we, we try very hard at least not to drop the F-bomb so we don't get that explicit rating and we can get a bigger audience. Oh, so really? Like, mm-hmm. 
Oh, oh, I guess that's yeah, why. That's why I'm asking, oh. dog. I'm not asking because I'm not asking for religious reasons. I'm asking for no, like I, your metrics. <laughs> no, because like oh, that's because you know I like in other podcasts. You know, we we've gotten the explicit rating, so we were always wondering like, how that is? happened. Yeah, and I yeah, think yeah, maybe yeah. in the title we put, we put the F word, but um. Wow, did they actually listen to us? Wow, okay. It's um, it's a tones it's, it's probably. A, it's AI and technology. You know, if you do the thought and the, uh, and, the, and then put it all together really fast, they're probably <laughs> like, hmm. Um, if you just drop a bunch of dick jokes back to back, they'll probably be like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but what if you accidentally like? I don't know if there are any homonyms for swear words, but what if you accidentally say maybe someone's like foreign name kind of sounds like a swear word and then you get the explicit rating, but you're like a children's show. Anyway, <laughs> that's not really important, but um, I noticed J Mark that your choices are mostly all um, Asian American or even like Asian British. We all have specific tastes. <laughs> um, for, for me specifically, I think it's because that's an industry that I want to work in mm-hmm. um, as opposed to working like in the Philippines or in Japan or in a K-drama or anything like that. And so that's kind of what I've gravitated towards because it's people who have been able to break into a very racist industry. Um, and that's why I have so much love for them because they've been able to overcome those the, the racial tensions. And Eliza, you and I have talked about this plenty of times before. Like crazy, why, The reason why I love Crazy Rich Asians, it's not because it's a good movie. It's because it's a terrible movie, but it's proof that we're allowed to make terrible movies. Like it doesn't all have to be Parasite. <laughs> <laughs> Like we can make our trashy summer. Right now film is too. a really good time for us to introduce J Mark Axinto. Hello. What's up, J Mark? <laughs> he is our guest today, and we're gonna be talking about uh, Peninsula, or as some people call it Train to Busan 2. J Mark is a good friend of mine and Chris's. Uh, J. Mark, you and I are both Filipino. We're both from Baltimore. We have similar yeah. interests and Chris, you and J. Mark, uh, you guys met when we were all on the same panel at the Baltimore yep, Book Festival. Two years ago. Like, was that? Yeah, two years Almost ago. Almost to wow. the day because it was probably September or October, right? It was, uh, it was the was end November, of September, actually. but right. it was like yeah. was really hot. Good Lord. I, it's sa- sad to say that the Baltimore Book Festival might not look like that for a few years to come now. Wait, because of social distancing or because of funding problems? Uh, social distancing. I- I'm sure that funding was has been devastated too, though. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't. I, I don't remember if I told you, Eliza. Um, with my Eliza, my wife, um, I actually moved to Philly. So I'm from Baltimore, but I'm in Philly now. I've left you. I've left the nest. Oh yeah. So audience, J. Mark's wife is also named Eliza. So he and I are not married. <laughs> no. No, which is unfortunate because my other two Asian celebrity crushes happen to be Chris Lee and Eliza Romero. So it's a really unfortunate. Oh wow. We're so flattered. <laughs> But but much left to Philly. I spent four years there, and you know I will Yo. defend it from all the haters. There are too many haters out there. You I know? don't know how there can be hate. They're so like it's like this beautiful progressive like uh, haven. You know this beautiful progressive haven in the middle of a a super red state. I love it. It's amazing. Nobody <laughs> from Baltimore ever hates on Philly for any good reason because the two cities. Histories similar, are right? so similar. I, yeah. I, I like. I'm convinced that any time a Baltimore person shows any hate towards Philly, I'm like, is this some kind of like sports rivalry or something? But yeah, um, in terms of my background, at least, and then we could dive into this awesome uh, talk we're gonna have. Um, I'm currently the CEO of my own production company called We Are Heroes Productions. Cool. Um, I built it with the idea that anyone can be their own hero, uh, based on when I was growing up. I, I've always loved writing stories, and I didn't realize so much older that all the characters, uh, all the heroes in my stories were white because that's what I thought 
heroes look like. And I wanted to create a production company and create content where anybody could see themselves as their own hero. Um, so that's the story behind the name. Um, and we're actually coming up on the two-year anniversary of both my company, but uh, or just past actually, uh, the two-year anniversary of both my company and our flagship podcast called Tabletop for the End of the World, uh, which is about four people playing D&D, but the twist is they live in a dystopian future that uh, is America, but ruined by capitalism. So like five years from now, uh, <laughs> oh, I thought you say like five years ago we can or talk, you know, I mean, 50 years ago. We can talk about Train to Busan too. What a segue. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Liza, you, you, is this actually like officially Train to Busan too? Because like in, in the beginning, right. they so, make allusions so, to it. Yeah, but... there's no train. Uh, so I yeah. think that um, so it's the same director and it takes place four years after Train to Busan 2. But Train to Busan 2 is not the title. It's like, it's a standalone sequel and it's called Peninsula. And I think people just call it Train to Busan 2 just for the branding. Because just kind of gets to ride the success of that first movie. And um, so I have to say, so I'm, I'm going to give a little plot synopsis here. So here we go. It's, it's four years after the events of Train to Busan. And the few survivors have been sent to Hong Kong where they have refugee status because, uh, and, and Koreans are not treated well because everyone in this universe knows that Korea is where the virus originated. Hmm, sound familiar? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it is a story of mostly that revolves around two brothers-in-law who have, um, they've lost their families, they've lost everything, they live together, but they don't particularly like each other. I think that there's a lot of resentment. Um and it's like it's, a it's, it's like a one sided Yeah, it's it's more of a heist movie than it is a zombie movie or a horror movie. So I think that the um, the way it's marketed here in the U.S., I think that in Korea it's marketed as like an action adventure movie, and over here it's marketed as like a zombie film horror film. So I think that the reason for a lot of the mixed reviews that it's getting here stateside is because people are going into it expecting. Train to Busan, the first movie, and they get to this movie and they're like, well, w- wait a minute, this is a heist movie. This is more like Fast and the Furious, you know? Right. Because, like, it, the, the whole, like, tone is so different because Train to Busan was more like a horror film because you have this... Right. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's like this family man and, you know, school children and, you know, business people and elderly women uh, all just being divided. And the locations are very controlled in the first one. Like this right. one... It's, it's like a normal train. Yeah. Let me... I'll, I'll explain a little more with the synopsis. So the two brothers get involved with this organized crime guy in Hong Kong. He sends them back to Korea where there is um, like a ton of gold or cash there's some sort of treasure that they need to it's basically okay the treasure is a MacGuffin. it barely comes up it's just there to just push the narrative forward and yeah. i'll you know of course it's supposed to be just like you they drop you off in in uh in korea in the middle of the night where the zombies if you can remember from the first movie they can't see in the dark and you know their 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 senses are just hearing they can't really see anything. And so they're supposed to just get dropped off in the dark, grab the money, and then get out. Of course, uh, being a movie, nothing is ever as simple as it's supposed to be. They land in Korea and find out that there's like a whole colony, Mad Max style, of people living there. And they all find out about the treasure. And then it's basically just a race to get out of Korea onto the ship heading back to Hong Kong. 
I, w I will say, if I may, that I personally love the tonal shift. And I've always had this feeling. I did too. I always have this feeling about zombie movies in general is that like zombies themselves as like once you know their their weakness and once you know how to like kind of corral them, they're mm -hmm. really easy to handle. And so I, I like the idea of a movie being like, hey, the first movie is horror, but now it's been four years. We know how to handle them. Let's be self-aware enough to showcase different aspects of what it would be like living in this world. For me, I, I will be honest, especially when the two kids show up in the car uh, later on, the entire thing played out like like a really cheesy shonen anime, and I was here for it. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. Like there there are these great moments of levity that didn't exist in the first Train to Busan that I just really appreciated and enjoyed. And it it did the thing that they always do in zombie movies. Uh, eventually, because the zombies are are more of a like they've been doing this since zombies were first introduced in Night of the Living Night Dead. Night of the Living that, Dead, yeah. That's Social commentary. True, yeah, the true mm -hmm. monsters are humans. Like that's what it always ends up being. And in this one, they didn't, they, they didn't slowly lead up to that. There was no justification for it. Like, oh, they're just overwhelmed with fear. Like, no, these are just terrible people, <laughs> and we don't need to be like they're just afraid because zombies are here and all they want to do is live. No, they're just awful people who enjoy being awful. At first, I was wondering to myself when I was watching it, like, is it realistic that four years, only four years, an entire country could just be like this Mad Max dystopia? But after what I've seen recently <laughs> here, I'm just like, yeah, if we, if we were left like this in four years, oh, yeah, it could totally look like that. This, this movie is very timely. Um, depending, yeah, this, this those is, of you... Those of you listening to this episode five years down the line, and hopefully we're out of the pandemic, we are we are dead set in, in the coronavirus pandemic right now. We and are seven months in, and it doesn't look like um, with no <laughs> vaccine in sight, we're just going to have like wave after wave after wave. Nobody has any right to say that they would act differently during a zombie apocalypse <laughs> now because we can't even, like we as in society, not individuals, can't even wear a mask with it covering our nose. So... <laughs> So we know now that, like, if a zombie apocalypse happened, we would just die. Like, that's just all there is to it. <laughs> it's, I, this movie was, um, I have not anticipated, I haven't anticipated a sequel in a really long time. So this one, I was really excited to get my hands on, get my hands on it and to be able to watch it. And it's, it's so fun to watch new movies because um, quarantine, so much of it is just me rewatching old favorites and like marathoning movies I've already seen based on theme or mood. And maybe like, maybe like once a month, something new gets dropped on Netflix. Like when Extraction dropped and like the whole country watched it, you know? And then or, forgot uh, about it the, the next day. And then they forgot about it the next day. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, The Old Guard, which was amazing. You know, I haven't seen that one yet. I haven't even heard of that. What's that about? Oh, That's man. the new it's one. Just, it's got Charlize it's just, Theron. And yeah. uh, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's kind of like an adult superhero movie. Mm -hmm. Am I doing the, it right? Yeah. The premise of it is that um, all the main characters are immortal. And it explores like the ramifications of that. Um, and it's just Charlize Theron because she does her own stunts. It's just Charlize Theron beating the shit out of people. It's great. <laughs> yeah. And then there's like a same sex couple who are also like superheroes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Not only same sex, but it has to be stressed. They are a, a gay male couple and uh, a diverse couple as well. So like mixed race couple, which like we don't we don't get enough representation of genuine tender love between guys. Usually when it's a gay couple on screen, it's like lesbians. So I was like super excited about that aspect as well. I thought it was a really nice touch. Anyway, back to uh, back to Peninsula. Um, the whole thing is like CGI from beginning to end. 
right? Like I'm pretty sure all the actors are somewhere on like a close set and they're drinking coffee, having a good time. And something that I normally um, complain about is is when a whole mo- when the whole thing is CGI. But uh, I don't know. This is like what we are to expect of movies going forward. I, I feel like this movie is the first in what's to to be like a, a post COVID movie era, smaller movies, less locations, more CGI, you know, like the era of Mission Impossible, Babel, um, uh, what's another one? Jay's, uh, uh, Born Identity, like those kinds of movies with a lot of different locations, lots of different supporting actors in different places. Like that's going to have to come to a halt, you know, or it's going to be I feel like it's gonna it's gonna be a long time before that ever comes back again, and I think that Mulan and Tenet uh, are going to be the last big budget, big production kinds of uh, movies that we will see for a long time. Now I could be wrong because there's supposed to be like three more Avatar movies coming up, but that also is like all CGI anyway. Yeah. yeah. Wait, but but Peninsula was filmed in 2019, like last summer before the pandemic was even a thing. So was that even related? I mean, it feels like that was just That's what I was, yeah, that's what I was going over in my mind is that this was filmed before the pandemic happened, but are people going to look at this if it's a success and like use this kind of model going forward? I mean, they might look at what, uh, I mean, I'm not sure only because we already had a trend of people doing too much CGI after the prequel trilogy for Star Wars came out. Oh God. Everyone was all about that. And the but Avengers I, movies. Um, I would say even the Avengers movies aren't that bad because they did have some practical scenes, but <laughs> more, more specific. She more walks outside once. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying more more specifically. Uh, I, I don't know if it would become a trend like it did back then, where people were doing it because it was hot, like like the new hot thing. I, I think it's more along the lines of like like you're saying necessity in in a post COVID era filming and maintaining this virus as much as possible. And I will say that like the old- I mean, there's also talk about um, different locations becoming like different countries becoming like uh, movie hotspots. Like I'm hearing that like Oklahoma has become like a major hotspot for making movies. It's, it's more rural. There's more social distancing that's possible. Um, taxes. It's like a lot cheaper. So I'm wondering like to make this kind of a movie in Korea, did they have to resort to CGI because of the way their laws are set up? Wait, wait, before we do that, isn't, isn't Oklahoma the place where Trump had that rally where, where he essentially killed Herman Cain? One of the yeah, Tulsa. most darkly funny episodes in recent political memory. Okay. Um, that was also the one that TikTokers and the and the K-pop stands ruined that rally Love uh, it. by trolling the crap out of it. It was amazing. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder if we're going to see, like, this could mean a lot of things. It could be a return to, like, mid-budget, smaller dramas, which are, like, my favorite kinds of movies anyway. So mm-hmm. that would be great. If, if, it, if it turns into a whole, like, a CGI spectacular that's going to become, like, the, you know, like, the stamp of the post-COVID era, then, like, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, use it sparingly. This is the kind of movie where you should, where you should use this. But, like, I don't know. Like, you wouldn't if, – if you were to make movies like, uh, like Juno or something, like, you <laughs> – like a very small cast, very limited um, locations. You know, you could do that very 
smaller budget. I was going to say, uh, maybe movies can try getting around that just by explicitly incorporating the the virus into their stories. But I, I, I think the audience will probably get pretty tired of... Because there's already <laughs> that show that came out on Hulu, Love in the Time of Corona, which just the title itself just makes me want to throw so up. Maybe it's good. I don't know. I doubt it. But I doubt... Because audi- also like... The coronavirus is also very not dramatic as as like I think because people are just like sitting inside. There's no, you know, putrefaction of your of your flesh or you know insanity. You no, know, people are just like sitting around and, and they just get a severe cold. That's not very. That doesn't make for good entertainment. I mean, to be very cold blooded. So I, I doubt movies are gonna get away with it much because people are just gonna get bored. <laughs> I feel like love in the time of Corona is a scene like the opening scene is a Karen yelling at this dude's face in a Walmart. And then they then there's a moment as the spittle is hitting his face and then he realizes that's his one true love. There, no, there, there'll be there'll be like a bunch of interconnecting stories and then... Uh, oh yeah, it'll, it'll be... Oh, <laughs> it, it'll be one of those, uh, like the, the multiple actor love movies that they did for a while that was all based on a holiday, like Valentine's Day or whatever. And this one will be called Corona. And, it was, and it'll have that, that fun little voiceover and be like, he was a guy with all the right ideas, but none of the time. And she was a girl. <laughs> and now Corona's hit. Will these two find love? Starring Jack Black and Meryl Streep. Like, just that BS nonsense. I don't know if it's Netflix or HBO Go that has He's Just Not That Into You. I have it queued up. I don't know if I can bear to watch it. It takes place in Baltimore. Oh, shit, really? I actually really Mm -hmm. like that movie. Um, but uh, It's the one with Drew Barrymore, right? And Justin Uh, Long? I bet uh, you could Anderson throw out any name and, and they were probably in that. <laughs> it does have, oh my God, uh, Bradley Cooper is in it and so is um, Scarlett Johansson. Oh, I'm sure they oh, are. Oh, my favorite Asian actress. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm just oh, like, wait. I can't believe that like Br- Bradley Cooper, Mr. Like, I only do prestige movies now. <laughs> He's in this that. This was like Bradley Cooper 10 years ago. This was like trash Bradley Cooper before uh, he got nominated for an Oscar and now before he's like too Silver good Before Silver Linings for... Playbook and before and A that, Star yeah, is Born. Yeah. Yeah. He, is, he is cast yeah. as the lead in the next P.T. Anderson movie. Oh shit, he's moving up in this oh. world. Yes, he good is. Yeah, he see, yeah, he is he is going the way of like Brad Pitt and, and Clooney where they only do like it, only Oscar bait and that's it. Also, I, I got mixed up. I, I mixed up. He's just not in, that into you with how to lose a guy in in ten days or whatever. Oh god, that, that movie's movie. god awful. I could not finish that, and I was, and I was willing to enjoy it on a oh on like a god. very low expectations <laughs> Matthew level. Matthew McConaughey. Oh my god, another prestige actor. All you right, know, right. The OOs. The OOs. Chris, you've said this like oh, a number oh, of I've times. I've never heard that. De- that's a good way to call. What do you the call that decade? The two thousands. But like we're in the 2000, I thought that that's like a, I thought the 2000s were a century. I know it doesn't make sense, but Eliza, are you sure that's not just your mom energy coming out? Like <laughs> kids, my big mom the energy. O's. <laughs> the O's. What do you call them? Okay, the aughts, the oddies. Yeah, I don't like what that do you name. Call no, them? no, no. I just call them I, the I early call 2000s. Yeah, the, the early 2000s. 2000s. Yeah. But that's Real too simple. many syllables. Right, the O's. Not bad. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm coining it. That's mine. Okay. The OOs. We have it recorded. We have proof. We, uh, Chris, you've said it like a number of times that the OOs were just like a cursed decade. It's like just culturally bankrupt. It is terrible. Oh, yeah. I, well, that was around when the writer's strike was too. So like. Oh. Yeah. But that, that was only for like two years at most, right? That doesn't explain the other eight that years. That would affect a lot of movies in development for a while though. 
Well, right, it was like, of no writers. But even so. before it, it was no good. It wasn't like it was good and then suddenly crater. I just feel like, I don't know. I, I have to take an objective look um, because, you know, sometimes we might just be critical, more critical of the times no. we, when we mm-hmm. live. No, you are <laughs> so, correct. Like, no. objectively, you're correct. Yeah. 1999, there's a, a whole book that's been written about it. And there's like, if you Google it, there's countless articles about how 1999 was the end of like a golden era of Hollywood. And then the decade that follow the OOs were, re- they really were that bad. It's not just like, I don't know. It's it's not like people just looking back at like their middle school picture, their embarrassing middle school pictures. Like they were bad. And there's yeah. a reason for it. Yeah. I think part of it too, was that it was a post 9-11 world. So like all the budget for like anything halfway decent was shoved into a lot of propaganda films. And a they became of- very, very risk averse. So like movies like Fight Club, movies like Magnolia, like they could, Boogie Nights, like they could never have gotten made after yeah, 1989. Anything- American Beauty could never could have gotten made because it is so like anti-American. Yeah, anything that challenges status quo, anything that challenges idyllic American, uh, basically anything anything that didn't make Trump who he is today was not allowed to be made. <laughs> Which is probably why people are so drawn to international movies now, um, because well, of perfect, perfect, uh, uh, perfect encapsulation. Um, uh, J Mark, are you a fan of basketball? Liza, I don't think you are, right? So that's why I'm asking um, J Mark. Not like on my own, but just because, like, I don't know, J Mark, you can, you can, you can back me up on this. It's because we're Filipino, so like all the guys in the family, all the cousins and the uncles, everyone watches it. So I just bring it up because. There is a anybody who's like you know casually a fan of NBA knows there's this very famous photo of the 2003 NBA draft class, which is the famous LeBron draft class, comparing the clothes they're wearing in that photo to any other year, oh. usually like maybe ten years later. And the 2003 picture is god awful. It's like amazing how they got these giants somehow still found uh, suits that were too like big for them. Like a tent maker. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I think LeBron is one of the worst defenders. He's like wearing this all white. Um, yeah, this is oh, before yeah. LeBron that- became like a giant Kanye. Remember, he went through his hipster phase for a while. Yeah, I don't even know how I know this. I guess he just popped up in all like the celebrity fashion blogs. You know what? The picture that I think that like totally encapsulates the OOs is that the the picture with Britney and Justin Timberlake and Justin in the Jean, all denim, the jean outfit. Yes, I knew. I was <laughs> I don't know this about picture. I gotta look that. this up right now. Yeah, look it up oh right. God, it is Chris, so perfect. You have to it's see this picture. That- that image perfectly encapsulate the 90s. I mean, the, the no, early 2000s. The, really? Early that 2000s. was not the 90s? denigrate the no, 90s. No. J-Mark, do not denigrate the 90s. Oh, my sorry, God. The early 2000s. Oh, my God. What is wrong. this? Yep. Jesus yep. Christ. That was the 90s? Nope. No, early 2000s. I misspoke. <laughs> I was going to say, my memory oh my of the God. 90s is very, like, rose, rose-tinted, <laughs> romantic. Oh, this is the 2001 American Music Awards. <laughs> yep. Christ. 2001. And, um, and they thought this looked good. What is this? Yo, 2000 fashion was buck wild. There's a there was a BuzzFeed article about like how middle school kids dressed in our day versus how they dress today. And granted, like I have a lot of feelings about how middle school kids should be dressing in general, just because it's weird to dress like that. Is it too sexy? But, like, here's the thing: you shouldn't sexualize children, regardless. But it's the fact that these children knowingly are trying to look sexy that is why I find it weird. Like me as an adult, I don't look at that and go, oh, those kids are sexy. I don't want to see that. It's just like you 
you you don't have anything you don't have anything to offer the world. Stop trying to be like this person. <laughs> like, you don't you don't have any bills to pay. You don't <laughs> you haven't earned it. Um, but <laughs> but like if you look at back what, how anyone dressed in the two thousands, Paris Hilton, um, yeah. Jamie Lynn Spears, Kim Kim just, K. Kim, well, Kim K. I have a lot of feelings about in general, so I don't know. <laughs> Is it just me, or was was especially towards the late uh, end of the the OOS? Was everything seemed shiny? What was? Am I recalling it correctly? Like all the guys shiny? would be wearing like shiny like shirts um, or or blazers and is it is it like the era of like high tech like breathable fabrics like all those synthetic high tech textiles i'm just thinking of like an usher music video from that era wasn't he always decked out in something like very shiny like yeah he would do like a blazer yeah. he would do like the blazer and sneakers thing the the early 2000s fashion was just very frumpy and we don't know how to look alternative so it was basically like every day was wacky tacky day that's what the early 2000s fashion was. Let's let's wear a, let's wear a denim skirt with a crop top, but let's also put some like leggings underneath the top, yeah. uh, underneath the crop top, and then let's also everyone had bangs. Yeah, everyone, everyone, tr- <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just, the whole thing was just remember bad. like the whole scene thing with like oh, the bow, scene. remember the bow <laughs> and like the bangs and all the I hairspray. Roar, I roar you so hard. <laughs> actually I, I but i do think that whole like uh like emo punk thing f- was one of the few redeeming things of that decade at least it's endearing um well you know, the music that unique. came out of it was pretty good yeah you know? um so i i think that's like that's that's how bad it is that's like one of the cultural high points <laughs> metro station shake 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 it such a cultural <laughs> high point <laughs> I'm, I'm here to dunk on the Let's go back to the How did we get here? How did we get here? I don't know. I don't know. We'll I think go. we were talking about how awful the state of filmmaking was in the yeah. OOs. I'm going to say oh, that no, a whole no, bunch go, of times yeah, now. Bradley Cooper or someone? We were talking about Bradley Cooper. Um, oh, yeah. We were talking about... you. I think you brought it up, Chris. Um, how to... Was it... Um, Oh he's yeah, he's just not um, that into you. He's just not that into you. And J Mark uh, said he actually watched. Uh, he got that mixed up with How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, and I was yeah, like, Yeah, then we started talking movie. about that. Yeah, it's how, I'm sorry. Right. That, as usual, oh, no my, my chaos energy brings everything off. Well, kilter. actually, it's it's um, it actually got me thinking about like, is watching movies the new television? No, I actually think watching movies is the new reading. It's the new reading. Yeah, okay. no, because people are like, oh, you, you, you watch movies. You sit still for like two hours. You think you're better than me? That kind of attitude <laughs> has now become movies. Yeah, I know. I, I actually noticed this too. Like I, I have like, I already have a difficult enough time getting people to read the things that I do. And I'm noticing that getting people to sit and watch like a two, two and a half hour movie, they're just like, I can't do it. And I'm like, are you serious? Yeah, are you serious? Like, Because remember when we were growing up, watching movies was like the dumb dumb thing to do like the smart thing to do was to read and if you're you're a lazy piece of shit you would watch a movie now it's like if you're intellectual you watch a movie and if you're the dumb dumbs watch series episodic not, not series even that. I, th- I think people just just go on like instagram stories yeah, yeah. they just sit there in their people... houses and they scroll amazon and instagram yeah right i mean we make fun of quibi but i think they're onto something there will be a good version of of quibi sometime in which yeah, people won't even sit down to watch a thirty-minute show. They will just watch like a three-minute thing, and then, and then to watch an actual series will be, uh, I don't know, like a prestigious thing that you lie about doing at, at cocktail parties. <laughs> I don't understand people's attention span. It's like fifteen seconds, or it's like I don't know, or it's like 
eight just hours if down. you're like binging yeah. a series in one day. I think it's just that like with the world getting weirder and stranger and however, especially in the day, I mean, the world's always been like that, but now it's so accessible. People, they, they don't want to sit for too long. They There's this constant pressure of you always have to be hitting the grindstone. You always have to be grinding and like- Yeah, we're getting fatter every year though. That's like a paradox. <laughs> well, not just that. No, no, are, I mean like- not. Hey, <laughs> and, and not us. We're beautiful. We're trim and beautiful, but you know, everyone else out there. My top Asian celebrity crushes. No, but like what I don't, I don't mean working out. I mean, I mean working like towards a goal. Like yeah. the, there's this, uh-huh. there's this constant pressure of needing to be seen in a certain light and needing to be successful. And this, there's this whole thing about people have their social media lives and then they have their private lives. And I don't mean social media lives. Like for me, I, I generally like, I post some social dust stuff on Facebook. I post memes, but if there's like personal stuff going on in my life, I will not talk about it on Facebook, but that's not because I, I want to put up a certain persona. It's just that like, I don't see Facebook as a place to, to make deep, long-lasting connections with people if they want to do that we can talk in person and i I think that's kind of the mentality for like i don't have time to watch this two-hour movie because i got to be doing other things like i it's it's capitalism you know it's like you always got to be busy or or you're gonna watching a movie does it makes you unproductive therefore it makes you like worthless yeah, exactly. That, that, I, I guess mean, unless you're live tweeting it. Well, I think it's going to affect the way that movies are made. Like if 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 movies become the new reading, and and like they start having to cater and trying to grab that audience, that like you know the the masses, the mass audience, then like our movies going to get dumber. You know, like there's going to be less exposition. The pacing is going to get even faster. Like if you try to watch an older movie, like. Uh, watch like Seven Samurai or like Rashomon and it's like that is or like watch an Alfred Hitchcock movie and it's like the build up is a long time and the payoff is like way deep in the movie so you have to have a lot of patience to sit through those movies and like that's a I I see that as a good thing like my my taste in movies um, I prefer older movies um, I prefer like all my favorite movies came out before I was even born. So if, if for me, if like watching movies is the new television, that's perfectly fine because all, these movies came out in the theater before I ever got a chance to see them in the theater. I was watching them at home. But the difference is that these directors were making movies with the, with like understanding that the audience can sit in a movie theater undistracted for at least two hours. You know, like if you start making movies tailored to the streaming experience, it's going to affect the quality of the movie. I'm rooting for movies, but I also think that we're kind of fucked, at least in the short term. Not not only the quality, but the the whole like structure of it. Because as you said, the traditional movies, you're in a theater, uh, you know, shut the hell up, put away whatever like communication devices you have. Well, now if you're streaming, especially with a crowd, they're going to be built to be live tweeted, instantly gift, uh, you know, instantly memed. So that's what they're going to be going for. Uh, so when you talk about build up, oh, you know, nobody's got time for that anymore. He's like, oh, you gotta, you gotta have like the, the three second build up to get the, to get the image that people can share around as memes, so that we can trend on Twitter and then become the next hot thing for like two days until you know we get forgotten. So it, it would change the, the overall just structure of it, which will definitely hurt the quality because nobody, in the end, nobody wants to, nobody wants to watch that shit. Like in the long run, yeah. In the, in the meantime, yeah. Well, I mean, whatever. even in, I mean. Yeah, I mean they're also fucked because movie theaters are pretty much fucked. I I love drive-in theaters, but 
here where I live, there's only one in the entire county. And um, it's just not the same. I think that drive-in theaters are a great experience for cult movies, revivals, maybe like double, triple features um, of movies that you've usually already seen. But I can't imagine watching like Widows or Inception for the first time at a drive-in. There's so many distractions. And I actually side with Christopher Nolan. I know that he has behaved very badly in um, uh, building up to the release of Tenet. (laughs) But I I think that he is one of the few directors that still makes movies that demand our attention. He spends time on the craft of filmmaking. He spends time on exposition and character development. He like his his plots are pretty thick, so you have to like you have to really sit there and like pay attention. And I think that P.T. Anderson is also one, you know, like I'm just, I don't know. I'll probably just stay watching all my old movies. If it was made before the year 2000, it's, it's worth the watch. Oh my God. Did you guys see, um, uh, speaking of movie theaters are fucked. Did you guys see Russell Crowe's promo video for the new movie Unhinged? I've heard of, uh, but wasn't, uh, no, I haven't seen it. The promo video. He's so there's like a um, there's a promo video that he released on social media last week, and he's basically taunting people and asking them. Right. Uh, you know, he's like he, he's breaking the fourth wall. He's talking directly to the camera, and he's he's asking them like, are they manly enough to go see his new movie in a theater? Like he's shaming everyone into <laughs> defying public health restrictions during a global pandemic to see his movie, and like he's you know in very Russell Crowe. Uh, way he's like um he's growling and like you know. <laughs> I, I remember when Russell Crowe was cool, like or, Gladiator. Or this, this another another indictment of the OO. No, no, Russell so Crowe, beautiful mind. Sorry, right? But w- w- like Gladiator, like LA Confidential. Even though that was like late nineties, that whole like when when Russell Crowe was like the new, uh, interesting leading man. You know, he wasn't like. And now you know, he's just traditionally desperate. good looking, but he was he's just a rugged and masculine. Then then he then he just you know went crazy and and fat and he he had that horrible role in uh, Les Misérables and then now he's a oh, he's, too, he's he was the only one in Les Misérables that I didn't like him because I thought he was too nasal his singing I yeah, was like I mean, could they, they, they not find a lot of anybody else movie. they should have cast Gerard Butler they look very similar, but Gerard Butler was the Phantom in Phantom of the Opera, and he can. Yeah, sued. but that movie got panned as well. Even though uh, you know, my my like, I love I Phantom secretly, of the Opera. I secretly like that movie, but <laughs> I love <laughs> I love musical theater though. I love musicals. Yeah, but what that's what I'm saying. But um, back back to the idea of like movies being the new TV. I think there's something to be. I think what's going to happen at least until the post COVID era is like what they're doing with the Snyder cut of Justice League. Is they're taking a four hour <sighs> movie. Going on uh, they're taking a four-hour movie and they're releasing it into four one-hour parts. So it's going to be released more like a TV series. Oh, God. And I think that's like a mini TV series. And, you know, that's not the first time something like that's happened. It's already been happening. Watchmen, uh, the Watchmen, the, mm-hmm. the new one, not, not the Snyder movie, could arguably just be a film. Like, it's eight episodes. Um, it's kind of like, which is very similar to how British TV does it. I mean, Sherlock is one of my favorite shows ever. And every season is like three movies in one. So I, I think so it's so just- anti-series. I can't do it. <laughs> I think I, I can do it if they I want recognize- a feature film. I can, I can you know do what it, it is? It's the business it model. Be it's because they need to keep you on that streaming service for as long as possible. So if they just drag it out, like, fuck a two-hour movie, fuck a 30-minute series, make it a four-hour <laughs> movie. Like, this is so unnecessary. 
I'm okay with it as long as they keep it a contained narrative and they don't try to. And keep they it never do. With, every every with, series um, I've ever tried like to hangers. watch that is like supposed to be really good. Like everyone said, the True Detective is going to be excellent, and I'm like, nah, you know, sucked. episodes two to like seven are so boring. One and eight is all you you, you could have done the whole. You could have done a feature film with episode one and episode eight, and then build the uh, the little you know the stuff that moves the plot forward. In the middle, you can just build it in. You c- it could easily be a two-hour movie. I will say though, there are certain things that that like a series can do that a movie can't. Like, well, for example, I think Friday Night Lights is a great example. Friday Night Lights, the TV show, was uh, better than the movie. But the movie is already good, but the the show was amazing because it could get into a whole it had time and space to get yeah. into a whole different That's uh, what bunch books of characters. Are for. <laughs> but like TV is like like a Dum Dums book, right? It's like uh, so you know the Dum Dums. We we need some stuff too. <laughs> I don't know what the um, what it's like where you guys live in New York and Philly, but um, NATO has issued a bunch of COVID nineteen protocols. NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, not that one. <laughs> the National Association of Theater Owners. Wait, there are two NATOs, and yes. one's yeah, like I didn't know. I didn't <laughs> know that so one is the North American Trade Organization. The other one is National Association of Theater Owners, and they both go by NATO. I, I would change that name because, like, you know. <laughs> It's like the WWF, like you know, remember? <laughs> I mean, as, as far as movies go, I think movie theaters are still closed in PA. Um, Governor I Wolf. I think that they're, clo- they're closed in Maryland, but I, Governor Hogan announced that starting next week, we're going to be in phase three, which That's means that so all dumb. businesses can open. It's so That's stupid. So but the He's good so news dumb. is that NATO has... Uh, they just recently uh, issued, um, they introduced this program called the Cinema Safety Program. And, you know, I have to give them credit where it's due. It has a lot to do with like air conditioning filtration, because that's the whole thing with movie theaters. It's like, you can practice social distancing, you can wear your mask. But the fact is that you're sitting in a space, and there's like very little ventilation going into those, those auditoriums. But I have to give credit where it's due because everyone is always talking about like they're bragging about how they're wiping down and disinfecting the surfaces. But surfaces aren't the problem because it's airborne. And the problem before is that there's no industry-wide protocols. And it's like everything else about this pandemic, it's all spotty. Um, Nothing is ever enforced. So this new program, it even has like rules for eating your concessions, Um, so like NATO says that you can only take your mask off to eat your popcorn in the auditorium and you have to be seated and you have to be facing the screen. You can't eat your popcorn in the lobby anymore. They have like all these rules about like you have to really enforce the mask wearing. So I'm really against any kind of reopening with the kinds of numbers that we're looking at, but there doesn't seem to be a stop to it. So at least there's like a nationwide set of guidelines in one industry. And I think that like AMC and Cinemark have already signed on to the cinema safety program that NATO put forward. So that's like one positive I can think of. And then of course, like theater capacity, I think that like 50% is, is like maximum capacity. Now they can't, they can't fill up the entire auditorium. You have to have like a certain amount of seats but that's like fine for me anyway. Like when I, when I finally start, I'm still on a self-imposed lockdown, but when I finally start going out again, like I'm actually comfortable. Like I don't, I don't like to sit next to people in the theater. I always, I'm that person that will like, 
I don't know. I'll go up to the very back of the theater or the top of the theater just to have like my own row, you know? I love having my own row in a movie theater. Yeah. Like I don't like like going to a full house. No, I like going to a full house for like highly anticipated movies because there is something to be said. Right, it's fun. It's like an adventure. Yeah, it's like a thrill ride. Generally, if I'm just going by myself, I want to be alone. <laughs> yeah, I just want to be by myself. But I mean, even when it's like a full house, though, like when we're talking like a full house, like a crowded house theater, it's still like 100% is like, it's still awful, you know? I would say that like 50 to 70%, like that is a very comfortable um, amount of people in a the theater to experience um, a movie with. Yeah, I remember when uh, they still had Movie Pass. Uh, what I would do I is just like movie after, pass. after work, I would just go and and watch yes, a movie. Sir. And like Wednesday night, nobody's there, and especially if it's a movie that's not that popular, then yeah, I, I was often like the only one there, and it was great. Movie Pass was like the last good time I had with movies. <laughs> I think that yeah, I remember it was like I thought you were going to say the last good time period. No, <laughs> the last no, time I mean I was it's happy. like with the theater experience, like. So with MoviePass, I was seeing all kinds of movies that I probably never would have oh, same, same. gone to see if I had to put forth like the $15. And then like after MoviePass, it, you know, you get used to it. You're just like, oh my God, unlimited movies every month. This is so great. I'm going to see like, I'm going to see like every, I'm just going to see everything that's out there, you know, just, and if there's no commitment, you didn't pay, you didn't pay like $15 per movie. So like. You know, you only live once. So if it's like 15, if it's like an hour into the movie and you're just not feeling it, you can just get up and walk out and there's like no guilty feeling. Yeah, I think my favorite movie I saw with Movie Pass that was unexpected was Happy Death Day to You. Um, that got or, surprisingly good reviews. I expected yeah, I that to just not, fail miserably. I was not expecting it to be a good movie, but I was like, I have Movie Pass. I'll check it out. I was laughing so much watching that movie. <laughs> I was I was very pleasantly surprised. I think that that's the first one, right? Happy Death Day to was You. It, was it a dark one? comedy? I thought it was a horror movie. Um, it is. It is a oh, Happy Death Day. Sorry, Happy Death Day is the first one. That's the one I saw. Um, it's a horror comedy. Yeah, black oh, okay. comedy slasher film. So you were laughing intentionally. Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> okay, it was genuinely, right. it was genuinely really funny and really good. I haven't seen the sequel, um, but like, I didn't feel like it needed a sequel, so I didn't want to see it. Uh-huh. Um. We've gone off the rails. What happened with Peninsula, guys? <laughs> okay. Uh, so if I had to say watch Peninsula or don't watch it, I would say watch it. I would say watch it. Watch it, but um, don't expect a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that's a key thing. Don't go into this expecting Train to Pusan because it, it is really no train very and different. There's like hardly any zombies. I will yeah. have you know there is one train in that movie, Eliza. Was there a train? It, it is. Okay, this is spoiler-y territory, but I'm going to be as vague as I can. At the very last chase scene, when the sergeant guy is chasing okay, the main character, I remember now. Yeah, there is a train, yeah. and it's very pointed. And it's, when that is it happened, th- it's that train. I, I think it's actually that train. Yeah, yeah I think it's the okay. exact same train. I think the only way it could have been better is if they had the same actor in there as a zombie from the first movie, but he was outside of the train anyway, and I think he died. But yeah, absolutely, it was the exact same train. So that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you are correct. Yeah. All right. So, uh, J. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you know, Thanks come back anytime. J. Mark um, is definitely going to come back. Um, yeah. What do you think? It's my birthday. It's my October, birthday in October. When we do our, the ho- the horror movie extravaganzas. Yeah. 
<laughs> Probably. Yeah, yeah that's so much a good fun. idea. All of you tune into the episodes in October because it's my birthday. So that's more reason to support these beautiful human beings, Will both do. inside and out. My top celebrity crushes know it. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So, everyone, thanks for listening and catch us next time. Later, everyone. Bye. Bye.